Supporting your spouse is critical to keeping your fostering marriage strong. That's coming up next. A marriage that takes on the fostering journey. That's what we call a fostering marriage. And this is the show where you learn to keep your marriage the priority and make fostering fit into it, not the other way around. Hey, welcome to the Fostering Marriage Show. We hope that you guys are having a great day wherever you are. Today we're going to be talking about supporting each other in the struggles of fostering. There are so many blessings and growth and good things that have happened through the fostering journey, but man is it hard. And if we are not supporting each other, it just makes it that much harder because now we've got the stress of a marriage that is struggling a bit. Yeah, and this is Joel and Mary Beth Fortner. For some reason, this is your first time ever listening to this show. Um, You know what I could use? I could use more flourless chocolate cake. That thing is so good. Like that would be very, I would feel very supported. You know, we have some. There's like, I can see it from where I'm sitting right now. Well, I think we should wait till after the show. We shouldn't eat it right now. We already have the birds you'll probably hear in the background. We're not in some fancy studio. We're sitting in a kitchen recording this. That's why I can see previously stated uh, about flourless chocolate cake. And so our birds are joining in today, as always. Hey, they have things to say. Maybe they'll just become part of the show. I think we shouldn't rename the show. Fostering Marriage Nest. No, we we discussed this last episode. We nixed it pretty fast. It's not working for you. No, not at all. I'm hoping like the you'll gain so much worth from other people who's listening (laughs) to their opinion that you'll just buckle under the pressure. And I'll get my way. (laughs) Welcome to the nest. Uh, this is not going to no, work. No, It's like the thing in Mean Girls. We all, we all seen the movie <laughs> I was Mean Girls. just thinking that. I was like, stop trying to make nothing happen. Yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. Stop trying to make fetch happen. No, I'm going to keep going at it. It's just going to become a <laughs> lifelong theme now. Oh, how exciting for so, all of us. So yeah, so we're talking about supporting each other today, which is such a enormous, enormous topic because there's probably a lot of couples out there and, and that could probably feel like, yeah, we could do a better job supporting each other. So we wanted to talk about this today. So like from, I guess to get into this, why for you is this so important? Because if you don't support me, I'm going to have to get abusive on you. Oh, that's just, <laughs> that is toxic and we will have none of it here in the nest. <laughs> oh no, it's going to keep going. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, if we aren't supporting each other, I mean, it sucks. Like I feel... Like I'm doing this on my own if I'm not getting support. And that's just, that's not good for anybody. Yeah, totally. And I and I feel the same. There's many of you who can probably relate. You may be in this place right now where you feel like you're either not doing a good job supporting or you're the parent that feels not supported very well. Supporting each other is so critical for unity in your marriage. It's how do I focus and serve and love the other one. And when you have two people intentionally focusing on that in marriage, marriage can be so much better, not without difficulty, not without challenges, but it can be, it can be so much better. Well, and gosh, I mean, I feel like we even grow closer because the struggles pushed us closer together. You As know? opposed to pushing us opposed further to pushing, apart. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's really powerful. So there's a lot of things that hold couples back from supporting each other. And I would say possibly the number one struggle, arguably, is selfishness. Mm-hmm. When I am focusing on me, 
I'm by definition not focused on you. And especially with you, I go to work and I, again, I play with adults all day in my job. You have the stressors of the home, all the tasks, all the little people and, you know, the mama, 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 like all day long and all the tasks and pressures that were added when we three years ago began this journey, all the work and tasks and stressors that you took on on behalf of our family and you were doing while I'm at home playing with adults and working hard and and serving adults in that way and providing an income for our family. So I can only imagine if you weren't feeling supported in that environment, gosh, what that could have done to our marriage. I think either the fostering would have ended or the marriage would have ended or something would, something's got to give. So selfishness, I think, is a huge thing. Like what are one or two things that you see that holds couples back from supporting each other? Wow. Well, you hit the main one for me is is selfishness. But I think even time, you say you want to help and you do want to help, but man, we have our own responsibilities. We have our own things going on. And it's like, how are you going to fit something else in? So I think that's a big one. Yeah, it's just feeling like you're lacking time or even distractions mm-hmm. that you may face. It's like, I want to support, but then I come home and this happens and that happens yeah. and this happens and that happens. And they're all super legitimate things. Yeah. It's not like, oh, well, I got this notification on my phone that the football game was starting <laughs> and I had to go watch that. And that's what I need. I'm talking yeah. about... This really, kid really has this important issue or that thing comes up or whatever. And then, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So selfishness, spent. lacking time, it feels like, having distractions. There's also something to be said for you just don't come from a family like that. Maybe mm-hmm. that wasn't your and family. You just don't know. You just don't know what yeah, to do. Yeah, it's just not a priority. You don't even focus on supporting my spouse. Like, yeah. okay, what does that, that may be a foreign concept. Yeah. For you, or what about when people? I find myself having lots of questions for you on the show, or this podcast, or this nest, or whatever we're calling it. Oh no, it. no, not nest. So, <laughs> so what do you see in like in couples that it's like I just don't know how to support you in the ways that you need to be supported? Gosh, what a great question! I mean, I think a lot of that's going to have to come down to communication because you know we grew up in different families and different backgrounds and you may not know how to support me and and what I expect and what I hope for. And if I don't share that with you, how are you going to know? And vice versa. You know, I'm, I may not have grown up in a family that supports each other at all. Maybe we all just go and do our own thing and pull yourselves up by your bootstraps and you got this and whatever. But maybe that's not what your spouse needs. Yeah. And then there's this other situation in that, how can I support you? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And you don't even know what to share with your yeah. spouse on to even guide them or train them. Gosh, I've been to there. actually, yeah. you know, I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure what to do right now, but I think it's this. Or Everything I think it's is that. so overwhelming right now that I just, I don't even know. I want to go and curl up in a ball and cry for 10 minutes. <laughs> Let yep. me do that. <laughs> and that's where it's like, okay, you go do that. Because sometimes that's really helpful. So let's get into today talking about how to actually support each other in more proactive ways. And today on the show, we're going to talk about this from a more holistic perspective, kind of a whole person concept, not just, you know, a, you know, we're going to talk about lots of different areas. Let me just say that. So why don't you take us into area number one? Area number one. Well, the physical 
sense of how you can support me. I mean, we kind of like touched on it a little bit, but you know, you bring these people into your home and now all of a sudden there's extra chores, there's extra responsibilities, there's visits with biological parents or doctors or therapy visits or all those things. And all of a sudden there's just a huge time responsibility for lack of better way to say that of just all these added things but it's not like everything else you were doing before just disappeared so it's like how can you support each other in that and for me I just took it all on for a little while until I just burnt out and I mean we did have a pretty amazing support system of friends and and church family and just people that surrounded us. But even with that, there was still just a lot. And so even on that note, I want to say that all of those people helping is amazing. But if I felt like you weren't jumping in and helping too, that would have actually detracted from the marriage for me. Yeah. Why is that? Well, because if all these other people who aren't on this journey are helping out, but my own spouse isn't helping out and he's part of this family, that would have been like major, major, like, yeah, you're in trouble with me, man. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of disunity there. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's a, of all of our social influence and connection, it's that your friends or respite or supporters or whatever, they cannot replace the spouse. Yeah. And we should never outsource unity to other people yeah and then all of a sudden we feel more unified with people outside the marriage than we do inside the marriage that is a road toward disaster for your marriage so here's a question for you i just thought about this as you were sharing that is what if when you bring foster kids into your home um, bond is an incredibly important thing so let's contrast that with having a biological child and you've got now that's your child you've been like nine months ten months of you know whatever the math is on growing a child inside of you and then the child is born and it's this newborn and it's day one and you've had all this time to prepare and sort of set expectations even though things never go as you plan (laughs) and but there's the bond is there so your willingness to tackle the task and the baby stuff and the diapers and their colicky or there's something up with the child and you're having to, like you're more prepared for that, I think, because there's simply a greater bond. So your capacity to deal with all those tasks and chores, I think is greater. But contrast that with bringing foster kids into the home. Man, what a great, great question. So interestingly for me, how I experienced that is the first few months, I mean, we've had a couple different foster placements And man, compassion takes you a good ways on replacing the bond of just feeling this compassion towards this child who has been removed from their home. And if they're removed from their home, there's some other trauma that has been going on in their life, you know? And so they come into your family and they have this trauma and man, you don't get into fostering because you just want to like have kids in your house i mean maybe somebody does but (laughs) you're just lonely you're like no one will ever party with me i should foster kids (laughs) that's weird (laughs) but i mean there's just such a level of compassion but man that only takes you so far and you get to a point where at least for me and i know from other families that i've talked to you you get worn down and tired and you need in my experience, a bigger support system than even with your biological kids, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, so we're talking about here, this is all in the context of physical support, of how do you physically support each other. And we've digressed a little bit. Hopefully this has been valuable. But all this comes back to this concept of physically supporting each other because someone is taking on so much. Whether it's brain work or whether it's physical labor, it taxes your body. I think we forget at times that the brain is a muscle. Yeah. And we and we work it, work it, work it. That's why we get tired. Yeah. We get quote unquote mentally tired or our eyesight starts to deteriorate because those eye muscles have been working all day long. And I don't think we commonly talk about, oh, it's because they're tired because the muscles are actually worn down. So we're talking about how do you take care of yourself physically? So and something that we've done or that we, we try to do, especially it's so important for me for stress relief and it's so important for you for stress relief and for your overall, like your health stuff you've battled for so long, yeah. but that's prioritizing health and fitness and yeah. supporting each other and staying healthy in that way. Oh, totally. Because I mean, you think about stress and the cortisol that that raises in your body. And for me, that took an even greater toll on my body than it did on yours. And it got to a point where I'm like, I've got to prioritize my health. And it's funny because we start talking about we have to prioritize marriage, we have to prioritize health. But the thing is, we're not going to have as easy of a time in our marriage if I'm feeling crummy all the time. I need to physically be strong, not just for the kids, but for our marriage. And so that's what it's like, Okay, let's take a look at what we're eating. Let's take a look at our physical activity and whatever level of exercise that looks like. So that stuff is is important. And honestly, sometimes for me, if I'm frustrated and I'm struggling with a kid, going for a run or a walk or something, that physical activity just helps bring me back to a place of of calmness and an ability to handle it in a greater way. Yeah, our bodies are so complicated, but to simplify it, that our mental and emotional health does get better when we are physically healthy. Um, It's the way that we were made. It's the way that we're designed. So not only is it that break away from the situation and the environment with at home, it's not just the break. It's actually what you're doing for your body when you're actually out taxing it or walking or running that your body needs that and then the chemical effects that it has to your body are so important we're talking about here supporting each other of hey you need to go do this you need to make this a priority hey watch your food watch your intake like you and i are both like sugar people Like sugar. we, like we, the flourless chocolate cake sitting behind me. Yeah, yeah. I keep, <laughs> keep, it's like looking at me. It's staring at me. Why do you saying, think I put it behind and me? Come and eat me. <laughs> and that, that when we emotionally eat or stress eat, that's where we'll go to. Is that we go to sugars, and then that compromises immune system, and then we have all the stress going on of being parents and just human beings and being foster parents, and then boom, we're sick. And well, what are we doing to contribute? Is that we have to build up these bodies we have to make them stronger we have to make them where the immune system is not as compromised and it's stronger because it will get chipped away at especially when you're looking at you have all these kids and all the demands and the tasks and the chores and the well i don't have time for that i don't have time for that it's like i get that i get it i get it i get it but it ultimately is a matter of how do i solve that yeah. How do I get fitness there because I'm making it important and making it a priority? It's not going to that quick excuse of, I don't have time for that. I totally get that objection at times, but a healthier mindset is, you know what? I don't have time for that, but how do I figure that out? Yeah, and for us, like one of the things that we've done is, 
<laughs> I get a double break because I can go for a walk or a run or whatever I'm gonna do. And then you'll put the kids in a running stroller, the two older kids go on their bikes and they go with you and run. So I'm getting a break from being at home with the kids all the time. Meanwhile, we're getting some physical activity and that is one way for us that we've solved that to a degree. Yeah, exactly. Because I think our mindset is solve the problem. Yeah. If it's truly a priority, how do we solve the problems? How do we solve the things that are holding us back from getting to doing the thing that we need to do? So this last um, area of physical support is intimacy. It's your intimacy and your sex life. And that's so incredibly important for married couples to not just let that go. It's not a, well, now we're foster parents. Now we can no longer have intimacy. It should never be that way. That's a great example of allowing fostering is becoming more important. And you're now trying to make your marriage fit fostering rather than no fostering has to fit the marriage and that's what we fight for is being able to maintain what's necessary for you to actually have what is a super important part of marriage which is your intimate life and your sex life so before we leave the topic of physical support i want to circle back because we started talking about home life responsibilities and then we sort of digressed from there but i wanted to say for us again that comes back to so much communication and the chores and the responsibilities as they add on and we have friends maybe or respite or whomever helping out you know we did talk about the spouse needs to help out but one thing we didn't really talk about was communication within that and in our family how that has looked has been me saying hey you know what i really need help with x or i need you to take on the responsibility of whatever that may look like. Like, for example, one was just making the bed. I love a nicely made bed, right, people? Just, it looks so nice. Yeah, and it's so cool that you married someone that I used to be working hotels, and all I did was make beds all day. So Such it looks a lie. really great. Such a lie. I'm trying to build up a fun story. <laughs> make them truthful fun That's stories. That's true. I never did that. <laughs> but you do make the bed very well. Thank so you. So it, it could be believable. I digress. Anyway, but... Just communicating about that and letting your spouse know what it is. And, you know, and for me, when I ask, hey, can you help with this or that? I also am trying to take into consideration, you know, you do work all day and you come home and you don't just sit in front of the TV. You're playing with the kids. You're engaging with the family. And neither of us really wants to be doing chores at the end of the day. We're both tired and we want to move on. So I'm like, what can I ask you to do that would be helpful and supportive to me, but is also not taxing you and for me we figured that out but for some couples maybe they need to have that conversation on how can you support each other yeah what do you think makes it hard for couples to have that conversation or for someone to initiate it man i think there could be a lot of things for me my biggest thing that holds me back from that is just feeling like man you support our family so well already i mean you work hard at your job you are great with the kids when you come home you're not you know like i said you don't sit around and watch tv or whatever you're so engaged with their family and i feel like when i'm asking you to do more sometimes i can feel like but you already do so much and I don't want to lose worth by having you think of me as like, man, you're just trying to put more stuff off on me or whatever. But I also know you and I know you're not thinking that. Yeah. But that could be a thing or... Yeah, because all of, all of that is what? It's assumptive. Yeah, yes. Those, so if we were really having this conversation and I said, hey, why haven't you asked me about this yet? And you said all that stuff, 
I would say that's all true and that's all great, but none of that has anything to do with supporting you. Yeah. It's supporting the family. It's all fine and good things. Man, what a good point. We it's should have all, had this conversation before it's now. It's all fine and good things yeah. that I do and that are great and they're all fine. And I'm glad that you see that. But a lot of that stuff isn't even important to me. Like I don't look at going to work and being like, I'm providing and I'm doing all this stuff and therefore I can do nothing in the home and I work more than an eight hour day and I'm like that. It's not even important to me. Like I just go to work, but I don't look at it as a, I'm a provider of the family. I recognize that I am the breadwinner, yeah, if you will, but it's not even an important thing to me. To me, that's just like that, Joel, that's just you doing your job, man. Like, you know, that's your, you love your job, it's your career. So the the powerful thing I think to see is in here in this is that it's all based on assumption, which would hold you back from having the conversation with me to actually really gain perspective or say, hey, I feel like I could use you know, some more support or I could fill with some tasks and chores. Okay, yeah. Can we talk about that? Of course we can talk about that. Yeah. But it's getting to, first of all, what holds you back? You know, my, our friends who are listening, it's like, what holds you back from even having that conversation? Is it fear? Is it assumption? Is it whatever is it? Like, what are yeah. the things? Why are you choosing to not have the conversation? Exactly. Is it yeah. conflict because of your personality style? But being able to solve those pieces so that you can now have this conversation and now figure out what's a better plan, what's a better solution going forward. Yeah, I think that's all really great. So the second place or area we're talking about and how to holistically support each other is spiritually. Again, if you're, we are Christians. If you're not that, please don't be offended by that because our goal is to be able to serve all people. We just come from that perspective and we're, we're not fearful or we don't want to talk, we don't want to shy away from that. But you're, the spiritual support is that for us, that's going to be is keeping the relationship with God, the priority in your life. And God should be the most important thing. Yes, God should be more important than your spouse. Both people should operate that way, we believe. Because if not, I'm now putting a person, even though it's my wife, in my case, above the king of the universe, above my true father, above my creator, above the one who is fully in control of all things, the one who is in charge of my eternity. Life is about God. It's not just about our Selves. It's not about just our will and our purposes of things that we want to do and achieve and all that's fine and well, but life is about God. God calls us as believers. If you're a Christian and you're a person of faith, God calls us to make him number one. Go back to the garden. He created Adam from dust and he formed him with his own hands, breathed life into Adam. And then his goal for Adam was to submit and to serve him, God. And then he says, it's not good for you to be alone. And he creates Eve. When you study that closely and you study the Hebrew in particular, you will see that the goal was to have an, both people are equal to each other. Adam's meant to lead and be a spiritual leader, but the woman was meant to be a helpmate, be a helper suitable or a helpmate opposite. So that's where the... <laughs> I feel like we're going to have to get into all of that now because, man, when people say helpmate... That yeah. has such a different connotation. Yeah, because what's the connotation that we t- that we typically have? I mean, as our culture, is that what you're mm-hmm. asking? Yeah, exactly. I mean, a helper, man, that's somebody who goes and gets the coffee or does the menial Makes the tasks. flourless chocolate 
tortilla <laughs> or uh, chocolate <laughs> cake for the lazy, uh, slobby husband sitting over in the corner. <laughs> yeah, that uh, is that is not what we're talking about no. here. We are talking about somebody as somebody who is. You know, as the spouse, as the wife, I hold him accountable. I hold him up in a way that is like, I'm going to oppose you if you're wrong. You know, if you are not following God, I'm going to say so. And I'm not going to just be like, oh, well, whatever you think is best, dear. Exactly. The wife is meant to be that if you picture two two by fours leaning against each other, they have to both be leaning on the other one. If one falls, the other one falls. It's about an equal relationship. So just because I like I'm the dude and then I'm married, it's a matter of where I am submitted to God and I am following his will for my life, my wife is supposed to support me and be supportive in that. If Joel is, you know what, forget God, let's go this direction and let's do all these things in life and let's go blow our money on all this stuff and, 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 and it's all stuff that's meant for us, the wife is supposed to say, hey, husband, let me step out in front of you, put my hand up and give you healthy accountability. Yeah. No, this is not what how we're supposed to be doing things. You're supposed to be shepherding this family in godly ways, not in Joel ways of wanting to do things. That's where the helper suitable or the helper opposite comes into play. This is not a patriarchal relationship. It's one of equality. We just have different roles that we bring to the relationship. So this is what God is looking for in a marriage is that level of equal support to one another to where there is a leader. There's actually really two leaders working to influence each other so that there is that unified leadership, especially as the family grows and becomes something more. Well, and I think that's, you know, the two becoming one makes so much sense when you think about it like this it's like we are two people but we are becoming one unified team one unified leader of the home exactly and so hopefully that makes sense as we quickly unpack a massive amount of like biblical stuff there but keeping the relationship with god has got to be number one that just because we're fostering and we're and we're we have all these challenges and perhaps you feel god has called you to fostering he did not call you to fostering above your relationship with him he's called you to still keep him number one so another thing how we can support each other spiritually is praying together or praying for each other like what are your thoughts on that Well, I think about like the times where we go through these little phases where we don't pray together. And it's, it's funny because I wouldn't say necessarily have said in the past, praying together is going to bring you closer, but I feel it. I feel a difference when we're not. And so I do think that's just something that is important and needs to happen. Yeah. But what about even the idea of praying for each other? Oh man. Well, I mean, when you think about the times that you've prayed for somebody, I don't feel like you can pray for somebody and be bothered with them as much or angry with them, you know, like, so there's already just that level of unity. But then when you're praying for your spouse to build them up, gosh, I mean, you are just, you're focusing on that person and wanting what's best for that person. And even that will bring you closer together. Yeah, I think that's really powerful what you bring up because we're not talking about the, oh Lord, help my spouse. (laughs) They are a mess. (laughs) You're talking about praying sincerely, genuinely 
for the betterment of the spouse, for them to see something or to change behavior. There isn't bitterness and resentment in yeah. this this tone of prayer you're talking about. There's really love and support and grace is really what I hear coming yeah. through. Yeah. And then there's this other piece of spiritual support of practicing our faith, that it is such a practice to be faithful especially in situations in foster context when you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know at times who the kid or kids are going to be. You don't know what they're going to be like. You don't know what their future is going to hold. You don't know how things are going to go with DCS. You don't know how things are going to go with any biological parent communication or interactions. You are in super difficult situations, say with a child. You're and it's placing, like you don't know how, what yeah. to do. You're placing yourself in a place where you don't have control. And it's a really powerful thing to do because it does grow you into trusting. Yeah, I think if you allow it to. Yes. Because you yeah. can fight that difficulty or that challenge or that suffering and let it destroy you. Or you can see we're in the struggle. We're in the suffering. We're in the difficulty. We don't know what to do here. We feel out of our depth. We're out of our league. Okay, you are. If that's where you're at, that's where you're at. That's where God, that's where respite, that's where DCS, that's where friends, that's where organizations, that's where podcasts like this come into play because you're going after perspective and support to change your circumstances there. To be like, okay, what do we do in this? But when it comes to spirituality, it's a submission. It's a surrender yeah. of I don't know and I don't need to know. Yeah. I don't have to know where these things are going. But it's like I either talked about on this podcast or the one previously that so many of our problems boil down to where we seek worth and the other is control struggles. And it's this, I've got to know what's going to happen in this situation. Because when I say control struggles, what I really mean is, is wanting to control the outcome. And if I can't control the outcome, I don't like it. There's fear or there's too much stress. And I've got to be able to control that outcome. Otherwise, I'm not going to, or so I can do blah, blah, blah. We don't always know those situations. And the more that we struggle with control, the more that we struggle with fear, the more we're going to tend to adopt mindsets like that of, I have to know what the outcome is going to be, or I'm not okay. God doesn't always reveal things. Most of the time, he doesn't. Even if he calls you to something, and that's a part of our story, yeah. he called us to this after I came home from Israel. And one of my million takeaways from this super in-depth biblical studies trip that we did there with Christy McClellan and Jeff Carroll, one of the million takeaways I brought home studying the Bible from a Middle Eastern lens was, Joel, you're being called to a higher level of generosity. And I didn't know what that meant. And I really didn't even understand the depths of even, really when we say generosity, what that means, that it requires submission and self-sacrifice to degrees that I wasn't even thinking about. But I knew I was being called to that. Months later, you know, you, you pick up the story yeah, from there. Yeah, I mean... God had been working on me in my heart about adoption. I mean, it's something we had talked about since before we were married, actually. But when it came down to it, I really felt like we need to have this conversation. And so, you know, this was not a, we want to grow our family. This was, we want to serve 
families or children or whatever that looks like. And so, I mean, it's kind of a long story, but the short version is I came to you. We're like, let's pray about it. But within a week, we just said, we're going to go ahead and start the paperwork for a home study to adopt. And if this isn't what we're meant to do, God will close the door. Well, ironically, God didn't close the door in the way that we thought. He changed the hallway. He he changed. Yeah, there you go. Because I was very much like, hey, let's adopt. I am not going to foster. I will not do it. And so things just kept changing. And we get to the end of our home study. And the organization that we're fostering through kind of was getting towards the end of their paperwork and was becoming a new organization. We knew somebody on the board. And one thing led to another. And we were like, this is what God is calling us to. This, not adoption. And I love it's the thing that we were like, nope, we're not going to do that. I know. It's like, it reminds me when we bought our house. We were like, we don't want to live here in a home like this or a neighborhood like this. And it's the exact place we ended up. Yeah. And it ended up being perfect. I also said if we never homeschool and here we are. So I've got to stop saying I'll never do things. Yeah. Or or (laughs) if you do, God says, okay, here's going to be this awesome thing that I actually bring into your life. Yeah. Because and I'm sure so many of you all can relate to that of the, I, I'm never gonna. And then it's like you end up doing that anyway, because that is actually what you should have been doing or what God wanted you to be doing. But you may have not ever thought you had that capacity to do it. You yeah. may have been like, no way, too difficult. That's why so many people don't even go into fostering. It's the fear of attachment. It's the fear of the thing that the child needs more than anything. So I don't want, I can't, I can't lay down myself so that the child may gain. And this is the beautiful part of suffering. It's the beautiful part of struggle is that you learn to die to yourself so that that other person can be lifted up. It's sacrificial. And this is who God is. God is God. He is sacrificial and he's called his sons and daughters to be just like him. And we don't like that. Our flesh says don't do that. It says protect. It says gain. It says avoid obstacles. When God says, no, learn to lose yourself. And that's where real freedom and contentment is found. But the kingdom of God operates upside down from how the kingdom of earth works, which is don't do those things. More live for you, live your life, you know, achieve only your goals. Rather, God says, no, lose yourself completely. And I'm going to model for you even what that looks like. And it's going to be, I'm going to do it in the form of me even becoming a human with a man hanging on a cross. Is that what's modeled for us is to be that way. So when we come into these situations of not knowing how outcomes are going to go, we can actually practice becoming more resilient. We practice learning how to navigate unknowns and suffering and crying and difficulty. And we can allow that to actually form us into something that God wants us to be, not just to be, you know, super wealthy and all the things we want and all these gains that we can get from life. A lot of that is societal teaching. It's actually not godly teaching. And it's hard and it's difficult. It just is. It just straight up is. But it's a part of what how you can grow in your relationship with God in the foster context when you're facing so many unknowns of what you're dealing with. So you want to take us to, on that super yeah. light note. I, know. I was like, that's so beautiful. I want to end it there. But hey, we've got a whole other section to, to talk about. Yeah, uh, let's just, yeah, let's move <laughs> off. Coming off that really light, easy to swallow little teaching there. Why don't we go to our final area? Well, our final area is mental and emotional support. A lot of this, you know, we were talking about it. And I'm like, 
it almost sounds like stuff you can just do for yourself. But the thing is, you want to be on the same page with your spouse and you want to support your spouse. So for example, like doing things that replenish and rejuvenate you. I mean, sometimes for me, that's things with Joel. And sometimes for me, that's, I mean, I'm an introvert. I want to just be away from people. So for me, sometimes that does mean not being around Joel, but I want his support and he gives me that support to go and have that time that replenishes myself. You know, when you're struggling with a challenging child or children, it's it's really draining. You know, and it, is it? <laughs> just a tiny bit. Just, <laughs> just, I'm just, I say it. It's really draining. It just, well, I mean, it is. Yep. I mean, it maybe not on day one or day 10, but you know, when we're couple years into this other placement and there have been many many days where I've just been like I can't do this anymore and it's there is an element like you said of of living with that and practicing dying to yourself that mentally and emotionally like that's a practice and I think it's an important one so this also takes us back to the physical area of support of physical ties into mental and emotional that when we're supporting each other in the physical area that we become mentally and emotionally healthier and more balanced so there's that benefit there so we've got to do those things as individuals that do give us life you know it's like what is that for you for me it's like being in nature that we were on this weekend getaway and I love being by a running stream and being in nature, even though I ended up with four ticks on me later. I'm like, <laughs> I don't I don't care. I'll just pull the ticks off me. I don't care about stuff like that. I want to be out in the weeds, in the flowers, in the bushes, in the trees, bouncing over rocks. That's rejuvenating for me. You do bounce me. over rocks a bit. I love that. <laughs> I just, I, to me, that's so, I just love it. I've done it since I was a kid. You're I grew up a, in East Tennessee. <laughs> I'm a rock bouncer. You know, I, yeah, I do secretly love goats. They're just adorable. It's not a secret. It's actually not. It's super public now. But it's finding those things that replenish you and that give you life. It's like, what is that? A lot of people, it's alone time. A lot of people, it's being in or by water. A lot of people, it's being in their favorite vacation spot. A lot of people, it's going to their favorite coffee shop or bookstore or to an athletic event and having a beer and a hot dog and like watching a game. What is that for yeah. you? that actually replenishes and rejuvenates you. A lot of people that could be counseling, that could be special events where you're getting poured into and you're learning a lot. It's like, what are those things? Support each other in accomplishing those things. Because again, you're trying to pour into this body and this mind that's getting chipped away at all the time. Yeah. And this isn't us being victims. You're in the thick of things. You're under lots of stressors. You're being chipped away at, and it's okay, now how do I fix myself? Yeah. How do I pour into myself? You've got to be so intentional about that. Yeah, because I mean, if you don't pour into yourself, again, I think we probably touched on this earlier, but you can't be strong for the kids. You can't be strong for your spouse. And things crumble. I mean, maybe not immediately, but you get chipped away at, and eventually it, it crumbles. Yeah. Self-care is marriage care. <laughs> I like Self-care that. is marriage care. So think about... You know, you're in a situation where you're mentally struggling because say you're losing a placement or there's been a reunification. And in your mind, it's like this shouldn't be happening. This isn't right for the child. It's it's too painful for us. Like this was my worst nightmare happening. 
or whatever those circumstances are, is being able to support each other mentally and emotionally with grace and with empathy is so important. Because think about if you're the parent that tries to say stoic about everything, it's the, well, you knew this was part of it. You knew this is part of the situation. Why isn't this just logical? Now that's happening. We knew this was happening. We've got to buck up and be strong about it. And that's just part of it. That's That's never received well. (laughs) Yeah, that's not going to be received well at all. You know, for you, it's like, let's say I did that when we were in the situation where our first placement was there and three weeks later, this precious, adorable angel baby was now abruptly leaving the house. Oh, that was, it was heartbreaking. I mean... I don't want to get into a lot of the details of the situation, but DCS actually, I believe, was the one that said, hey, this is almost definitely going to be an adoption type of case because of all the things that I'm not going to get into. But we fell in love with this little baby. I mean, he was just precious, just precious. And we thought we're, you know, and of course, initially our mindset was adoption and then it switched to foster. But then, you know, you get this little kid and you're told this is probably going to be an adoption situation. And oh my gosh. And then all of a sudden, three weeks later, he is moved to another placement. And the amount of tears that I cried, it could fill a tub. (laughs) Yeah. And it was hard. Even though we were given that almost like that expectation of this is possibly or probably going to become an adoption situation. We even said, ignore that. Yeah. Do not operate under that expectation because we had had enough experience in counseling to know that is an unhealthy expectation to have. Right. You've got to operate open-handed. Yeah. You do not know what's actually going to play out. So even with that expectation not being adopted, it's still so incredibly difficult. Yeah. This is a part of the journey. And the thing is, it's like, it's okay that this is part of the journey. As people were asking us, I was like, you know, you guys are so great. I don't know how you all can do this. And like, you all are just great. And I'm like, I I don't even love things like that. I don't like that kind of even compliment. And people are well-intended putting us on a pedestal that we are not on we should not be on yeah and we don't want to be on yeah this is a i hear that and people say gosh i don't know how you all can do that i could never do that and i find myself when i can in the appropriate conversation saying that you can do it but you have to be okay with being hurt you have to get to a place where you know you're going to have your heart broken you're going to be hurt You're going to experience loss, but you're okay with it. Yeah, and I think even this brings in the biological children as well, because our son had been saving up for a skateboard. And when that baby left, he went out and he's just like, I just want to buy a baby doll. And I'm like, all right, are you sure? Gosh, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. And he spent, you know, a good amount of the money that he'd saved for a skateboard for a baby doll. And it broke my heart. And I think even more than losing the baby is seeing my children suffer and my children struggle. And so, man, that's where like you and I need Mm -hmm. to be there supporting each other because how am I going to support our little kids if we're struggling? And just because he's hurting does not mean it's wrong. Right. Just because there's struggle, just because it sucks, just because it hurts and it hurts like crazy doesn't make it wrong. It doesn't mean that we should stop doing this. Life is not about avoiding pain. Life is not about avoiding struggle. 
It's just, it's absolutely not. But many of us come from cultures or many of us come from families that say, avoid that. Don't do that or you'll get hurt. Don't do that. That's not safe. Don't do that. And it's like, what does it teach you? Avoid anything painful at all cost. Yeah. Sorry. That's not life, and I would never encourage someone to live life that way. I think we learn to do hard things. I think it's good to do hard things because we learn about ourselves and we learn to be stronger, more resilient people with greater character, and I think gives us greater ability to help and serve other people. Yeah, and I mean, he had that opportunity to grow, and he did, and us through it as well. And so I think, you know, it's like we talk about these hard things. And I think sometimes that can be a turnoff of like, man, I don't want to do this. Totally. Because we are focusing on on the struggle. But we're focusing on the struggle because it's like we can grow through the struggle and we can help each other. And we can actually have a stronger marriage and be better parents because we've had these struggles instead of just coasting through. Yeah. So to wrap all this up, guys, I mean, your support of each other is more powerful when you're supporting the whole person. I hope you're taking things away from this episode of finding this is how I can better support my spouse. Um, if your spouse isn't listening to this podcast, share it with them. Say, hey, go listen to this one. I think you may get something out of it. Or I think there are ways that we can actually learn to support each other even more and look for how do we support the whole person. So guys, we, as always, we hope this has been helpful for you. Join us on the next episode of the Fostering Marriage Podcast.